I'm thankful he came down my dusty road. Amen. I know some of you have been paying attention for the last three or four weeks. You probably already opened your Bibles, the book of Matthew chapter 6, but I'm not going to be there this morning. I was spent a couple of days in the woods watching wildlife this week, and I was, uh, I was amazed at some of the things that God was just showing me sitting up there and, and watching. And, man, I thought I had some really good notes and would be back in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Um looking at the next step of that prayer, give us this day our daily bread. But I've told you before, I, I don't commit to doing series, to tell you we're going to do a series through anything, because I don't ever want to feel like I'm handcuffing God. I, I will tell you a series is a little bit easier on a preacher's perspective. It's kind of at least you know what to be studying the next week. So Sometimes in a comfort, you can put in a series and you go through stuff because that, that just kind of lays things out for you. But I believe that God wants to speak to his children what he wants to speak every week. Um, and that's why I don't commit to series. I do believe that sometime in the near future, Lord willing, we'll get to come back and we're going to look at um, the, the rest of that prayer. But it's not going to be today. Um, I believe that God's given me a different direction for today. And I believe it is for today. I believe it's for Faith Baptist Church today. How many of you like sports? Go to sports, go to the games, watch them on TV, y'all. Y'all like watching stuff in sports. You know, one of the reasons that we like sports is we just like to pull for something. And then one of the reasons we like it is because we just love winning, amen? There's just... Something about it. There, there is two opposing forces that come together against each other. And at the end of the contest, there is a decided victor. Somebody wins. And after the game has been decided and after the final score has been posted and everything is said and done, they'll usually have an interview. And the interview is pretty much always done with the winning team. Amen. I thought y'all watched sports. Participate in this for a little bit. They'll, they'll usually say things like, yeah, you know, I mean, they'll, they'll interview a lot of times just the most valuable player of the game or something. But, man, we played a, we played a great game today. You know, and we, we really came together and everybody just came together. We were firing on all cylinders today and, man, it just worked out well. It was a great win for our team. It's been a lot of hard work. It's been a long time coming, but... But, man, we're just thankful for the win. It really paid off today. And then they'll usually interview the coach of the winning team, and he'll come up and do his accreditations. You know, hey, man, hats off to the other guys today. They played their hearts out. They, they came in. But today, we were the better team. Looking back over the course of the game, you know, there were some breaks and some ups and downs. When it was all said and done, looking back over the game, we were the better team. Sometimes it's good to look back because you don't realize how far you've come until you look back over where you've been. Amen? But the, the post-game interview is most typically reserved for the winning team. The, the opposing team, you know, they come out and say their congratulations, good game, but then they're off to the locker room. All of the accolades, all of the awards is usually reserved for the winning team. Well, this morning, we have the incredible privilege 
of reading the Apostle Paul's post-game interview. During the course of his life, he looks back and he shows us that his race has been run. He has reached the finish line victorious. We look back over his life and what an amazing life and we see him preach at Lystra and Iconium and in Corinth and we see him preaching at Rome and in Antioch and Galatia and we see how God used me preached at Ephesus and Thessalonica and all the different places that he preached but we also see him let down out of a wall in a basket. We see him run out of town by his own friends and family. He was beaten with 40 lashes, save one, five times, shipwrecked, snake-bitten, spent a day and a night alone in the depths. He was in perils of the sword. He lived in great danger as others sought to do him harm. He's been naked and destitute. He's been hungry. He's been stoned and left for dead. He's been beaten with rods. And here in our text, Paul now comes to this post-game interview as victorious. Sounds like a pretty rough life to be victorious, doesn't it? If you want to turn in your Bibles, I'm going to be in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, our text this morning will be verse number 6 through verse number 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I want to bring a message this morning If you're going to wear the cross, you need to be willing to bear the cross. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for the Apostle Paul's life. I thank you that we can see the life of a man that was running dead against you. And you turned around put dead in line for you. God, that means there's hope for each one of us. God, you came and you met us when we were walking against you. Lord, I remember the day, Father. Every one of us in here that's saved, born again, child of the living God, remembers the day. Lord, it was, it was our road to Damascus. It's the day when we met Jesus and all things became new. God, I thank you for this letter. I thank you for his testimony. I thank you for his life. I thank you for preserving this word, God. I pray now will you speak to your people in your house, God, that we might learn something about you that make us a better servant for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul here at the end of his life, he's in a prison cell. They they are sharpening the swords. It won't be long. It's just a matter of time till they will cut his head off and end his life. But there in this prison cell, Paul takes the time to write this one last epistle. He writes it to one of his young protégés, Timothy. He told Timothy, the day is coming when they will not endure. They will not even put up with sound doctrine." They will heap for themselves teachers having itching ears. They will find some preachers to stand in the pulpit and flatter their ears with loose lips. Say the things that they want to hear. Be pleasing to them. Pat them on the back. 
Tell them how good they are. Make everything about them. They will heap to themselves preachers that will pat them on the back and say it's all about them, but it'll never be. They won't want to hear the truth. They only want their ears tickled with things that are pleasing. But I'm telling you, Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Paul said they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. He says, I want you to come to me shortly. I want you to come on. I want you to stop by and get Mark. And you bring Mark for he's profitable to me in the ministry. Demas hath forsaken me. He's decided that he loves the things of this present world. My friends have taken off. Only Luke is with me. Everybody else has forsaken me. But if I'm not here, when you get here, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have run my race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord shall give unto me, not just to me, but to all those who love his appearing. Now, Verse number 6, Paul says, I am now ready to be offered. That's almost the exact words that he used when he came into Rome in the first place. When he came in in preparation to preach, I am now ready to preach the gospel to them also that are at Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That was at the beginning of his ministry. But here in our text, Paul at the end of his ministry, he says, I am now ready. I'm not quitting, I'm ready. I'm, I'm not stopping, I'm ready. I'm not anxious or worried about it, I'm ready. I'm not backing away from the ministry, I'm ready. I'm not biting my nails worried about what's going to happen to me, I'm ready. That text means that I'm being poured out like a drink offering. It means that what is going to happen is already taking place. Paul says, I am ready to die. He says, not only am I ready to die, I am already dead. To me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whether I live or whether I die makes no difference to me. <laughs> I am a prisoner in Rome, but I am not Rome's prisoner. I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am ready. I have been waiting on this day. He said to the church at Philippi, I'm betwixt. Two things. Y'all know that word betwixt? Those of you, if you knew that song, I remember the day, you know, betwixt. I'm betwixt a rock and a hard place. I grew up, y'all say, Daddy, they do not know that stuff. We're the only ones. I got on y'all's color and everything. Somebody told me I had on Alabama colors. I guess that's where that betwixt comes from. <laughs> I guess the only thing I got on this color is I'm pulling for y'all next weekend. Y'all got to pay somebody back for us. He, he, said, he said, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh 
is more needful for you. I'm ready to go now, but I'm needed here, so I'm going to have to stay here for a little while for your sakes. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified. I'm already dead in Christ, yet in Christ I am made alive forevermore. Paul said, I'm ready. Paul doesn't see this as an execution. He sees this as a sacrificial offering. Paul, Paul they may kill his body. They may put his body in the ground. But they're not going to kill all that is Paul. When you die, if they put all that is you in the ground, then you never live for Christ in the first place. Paul is letting us here in 2 Timothy, letting us know this isn't an execution. This is going to be a graduation. I'm not moving out. I'm moving up. I am ready. The time of my departure is at hand. Jesus said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. We're not in this thing to be pleasing people. We're not in this thing to worry about making everybody around us happy. We are in this because God loved us and gave himself for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is all about him. Don't be worried about what others may say about you. You just be worried about what Jesus is going to say to you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Paul said, I'm not dying. I'm already dead in Christ. I'm just going home. The time of my departure is at hand. You're not taking anything from me because I'm looking forward to my departure. I am ready to go. He said in verse number 7, I have fought a good fight. Paul is talking about spiritual warfare. Just in case you haven't figured this out yet in your Christian life, the Christian life is not a playground. It is a battlefield. We're not in this thing till we get tired. We're in this thing to fight until it's all over. You don't fight till you get your little feelings hurt. You don't fight till somebody says something to upset you. You fight till you die because this is a fight to the death. If you're being used by God, you can rest assured that the devil will never leave you alone. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You can rest assured if you're doing all you can to serve God, the enemy is never going to leave you alone. We are in a warfare. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There are some strongholds in this life that we as children of God have to fight against. We have to fight against contentment. We have to fight against laziness. We have to fight against, I want everything done my way. 
We have to fight against grumbling. We have to fight against murmuring and complaining. We have to fight against things. Even Paul said, I have a desire to do that which was good, but I find myself not. I don't want to do anything that's bad, but I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do. We are in a war. Evil is always present with me. The things that I would not to do, those things I do. The things I would to do, those things I do not. Oh, wretched man that I am. That's what Paul has to say. It's not bad enough for me that I have to battle with my own flesh. Anybody in the house, amen. I know what you're talking about. Look beside him. Wake your neighbor up. I know he's up late, but if they'll give me one and a half more hours, I promise I'll be done. It's not bad enough that I have to fight with my own flesh and war with the spirit within myself but just when you think you have the flesh under control the devil shows up and messes up everything the devil just comes in and throws a wrinkle in the plan just when you thought you had it under control just when you thought that was the one area that you had solved the riddle just when you said that is the one area in my life that I will never fail get ready to fail Because when you say that is the one area that I will never fail, you begin to trust on your strength. And when you begin to trust on your strength, God will have to take that away. All of our hope, all of our strength, all of our trust must rest in him. We are soldiers in the army of God. We have to fight. Not till we get tired. Not till we get worn out. Not till it doesn't go our way. Not till somebody says something. We fight till we see Jesus. If you rest in anything in people, prepare to be disappointed. Jesus will never disappoint us. We can't hold up the blood-stained banner of Christ until we get sick. We, we can't just be on the battlefield as long as things are going our way. We are soldiers of the cross until we die. We don't retire from this work until we die. But man, what a great retirement plan is God. Revelation 2.10, Jesus said, None of those things which thou shalt suffer, or none, none of those things which thou shalt suffer, behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. I will give thee a crown of life. Notice Jesus didn't say until death. He said unto death. Be thou faithful unto death. Your faithfulness faithfulness to God may just be what causes your death. Paul said, I fought a good fight. We're not in this thing for the show. We're not in this thing until we get tired of it. We are in this thing to die. There's a book. The book's called The Cost of Discipleship. And in that book, the author says, when Christ calls a man, he bids them to come die. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. When you pick up your cross, that's not an emblem for you to wear to church on Sunday morning. If you're not going to walk the walk, then don't wear the cross. Don't don't go around flattering. The, The cross is not a piece of jewelry. 
The cross isn't something for you to put on when you're going to be around church folk for a little while so they think you're all holy and all that. The, the cross is not something just to put on. It's not something intended for show. The cross is an instrument of suffering. The cross is an instrument of shame. And if you aren't willing to sacrifice, if you aren't willing to suffer, then take the cross off. Mm, that went over like a lead balloon. If you're going to wear the cross, then bear the cross. We're in a war till the end. Not till we get upset. Not till, not till we get our feelings hurt or somebody says something. Listen, there's too much work to be done for you to be worried about your feelings. There's too many people dying and going to hell every day around us for you to be worried about whether or not somebody likes you. There's too many people around us that need to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As servants, we're not bound by the limits that other people place on us. Other people will do everything they can to keep you from doing what they're scared to do, but they know they ought to be doing. The best life that we're ever going to live is the life that God already has planned for us. It may involve some scary situations. It may involve some rough places or some dangerous places, not to harm us, but to shape us into the heroes that God plans to make us into. Amen? Paul said, I have fought a good fight. It's a warfare. I need to move on to this page. That was my introduction. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. Point number one. After Paul talks about the Christian warfare, here he talks about the Christian walk. After he says, I have fought the good fight, he says, I have finished my course. I didn't stop. I didn't quit. I didn't come up short. I finished what God called me to do. I have finished the plan that God has for my life. Boy, it would be a great day for the child of God to be in a dead run when God calls him home. Wouldn't it be awesome being a dead wind sprint working for God and just dying in your tracks working for Jesus? Rich was praying last night <clears throat> down at the, at the, for the guides and partners before it all started. And, and in it, he talked about, Lord, wouldn't it be awesome if you came right at the end of the night, right when the last person got saved in judgment journey, right when the last one that was going to get saved tonight got saved. Wouldn't it be awesome if you came right then and we were found doing your work wouldn't it be terrible for him to show up? Must be laid out on the sofa doing nothing for him. Wouldn't it be terrible if he showed up and we're running from a commitment that he gave us to do? We're hiding from a challenge that he's given us to do. We're hiding from the life that God has for us. It would be awesome to just be in a dead sprint, running, doing everything that you can for God. And either he come or you die right in the middle of it. I want to be found working for him when I see him. Amen. If we're going to be a Christian, Christ-like, y'all know the word, right? If we're going to be Christ-like, then we've got to be like Christ. Jesus went all the way through the cross. Then he said, it is finished. Jesus didn't quit when the people turned on him. Jesus didn't quit when they arrested him in the garden. Jesus didn't quit when they mocked him and laughed at him and poked fun. Jesus didn't quit when they put a bag over his head punched him in the face and laughed at him and said, now prophesy, tell us who it was that hit you. Jesus didn't quit when they plucked out his beard. Jesus didn't quit when they spit in his face. As a matter of fact, he just took it all like a man. 
The Bible says he was like a sheep, dumb before his shears. It wasn't until Pilate opened his mouth that Jesus even started speaking at all. When Pilate said, do you not know who I am? Do you not know how much power and authority I have? Do you not know that I have the authority to set you free or to take your life? That's when Jesus spoke. I said, hold on right there just a minute. Pilate, you could have no authority over me at all, except that we're given to you from my Father, which is above. You can't take my life. No man can take my life. I have the power to lay my life down. And just as I have the power to lay it down, I have the power to take it up again. Now, he could have stopped right there, but he wasn't finished yet. There were some thieves hanging on a cross. They had already been sentenced to die. Y'all know the story. There were three crosses up there on the hill. You had the one that was dying in sin. You had the one that was dying for sin. And you had the one that was dying from sin. There was still some work to be done. Jesus died for the sin of this one over here. But he laughed. He said, I don't believe you. If you're the son of God, prove yourself. Show us. He rejected Christ. He rejected the gift. And he's in hell today because of it. The one over here said, leave this man alone. He ain't done anything. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into the kingdom. So because Jesus died for the sin, he died from the sin because he trusted Jesus. So this one went to hell because he chose to. And everybody that ever lives or ever will live on this planet will make that same choice. Jesus was dying for sin. But he wasn't finished yet. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus was was praying. He shows us a perfect picture of what Calvary represents. Jesus said at the end, there on the cross, he said, it is finished. He completed the work. Paul said here in our text, I have finished my course. Too many Christians today, anybody listening? Too many Christians today are dying in the waiting room. You know God's got a plan for your life. You know God wants you to do something. You know God plans on it. You know that you are a work in progress. Anybody in here know that you are a work in progress? We are a construction site. God is planning on doing some operations inside of us. God is planning on taking some stuff out. If we're going to be in the image of Christ, we're going to have to undergo a transforming operation. Amen? Anybody's got to do something. But some of you are scared of the operation. You're just sitting around waiting in the waiting room. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in the choir. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to start coming to Bible study, prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. Oh, I, I'm, going, I'm going to do those ladies' Bible studies. Um, I, I'll, I'll catch one of them. I, I'm going to do that. I, I'm, going, I'm going to work in Judgment Journey. I, I am, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to work in He's Alive. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to start going to Sunday school. I'm, I'm, I'm going to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get started. I'm, oh, I, I'm going to start tithing according to the Word of God. Boy, I got quiet right there. See, I slipped that in right there. And that thing went stone cold quiet. I just killed the whole message. 
Oh, I'm going to start serving him. I'm going to start reading my Bible every day. I'm going to start getting up a few minutes early in the morning and praying every day before I go to work. I'm going to start going to the prayer meetings at the church. I'm going to start working in Awana. I'm I'm going to to get involved. I'm, I'm going to go on a mission trip. You're always going to do something, but you never start doing nothing. You can't finish what you don't ever start. What are you waiting on? You're not waiting on God. God's already saved your soul. God's already laid out the plan. Before your mom and daddy ever even thought about you, God knew you in the womb. He knew the desires. He had a plan for your life. There's a plan laid out. You're not waiting on God. What are you waiting on? Everybody always going to do stuff. That's why we can't get enough help around here. We got too many going to do it. They can't get around to it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me finish up. I didn't kill the whole service. Paul said, I, I fought a good fight. That's a warfare. He said, I finished my course. That's a walk. But he said, I have kept the faith. He said, I have kept the word because you can't do warfare without the word. You can't walk a worthy walk. Without the word. I have kept that which was delivered unto me. And I have delivered it unto others. But now my race is run. My course is finished. And I am delivering back that which was delivered unto me. Lord, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me. Not there might be. I hope so. I wish there was. I'm planning on it. Because I have kept the faith because I have fought a good fight, because I have done what you've given me to do, because I have kept your word, because I've been exactly what you called me to be, done exactly what you called me to do, I know full certain well that henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but to all of them also. That love is appearing. So what about you? Do you have any crowns in heaven? Well, let me just go ahead and answer that one for you. That's not the real question. The answer to that question is yes, you do. Thousands of them. The real question is, will you be getting any of them? See, there's going to be a mountain of rewards. God wouldn't have something for you to do with the promised reward if he didn't already have the reward in his hand. That means the reward's already there for you. And they are mounding up, piling up each time you don't do what God gives you to do. The rewards are there. God is faithful. God is just. He has his end of the bargain. The rewards are there. But when you get there, all you're going to see is all the things that you could have had but you don't have because that's all of the time that you disappointed God. Why so quiet on a Sunday morning? The church today is sleeping. Too many Christians are silent. Well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to get involved. Oh, we even have those, well, I used to. You know, so-and-so said something hurt my feelings. Somebody made me mad. I used to. 
I'm just, I'm just, I'm not doing it anymore. There has been a gospel delivered unto you. And you are going to stand before that holy and righteous judge. And you're going to give an account for what you did with what has been delivered unto you. And there will be no viable excuses. One day, your race will be run. Your course will be finished. And on that day, Paul said, I've fought a good fight. If you died today, and God gave you five minutes to write your last letter, could you say, I fought a good fight? I have finished my course. I have completed the work, Lord, that you gave me to do. Would you be able to give a, a post-game interview and talk about your victorious life? Mm-mm. Or are you just going to be waiting over there in the locker room? What is it that keeps you from surrendering everything to Christ? What is it that keeps us from selling out? What is it that keeps us from trusting Him in, trusting him in every area of our life? With every aspect. And surrendering everything to do whatever He says do. No matter what it looks like. No matter what the sacrifice is. No matter what the cost is. If God says do it, then there has to be a reason... What is it that keeps us from selling out to Christ? Why would we continue to hold on to the things of the world? There's a story. I read it online a while back. <clears throat> I ran across it this week. It's talking about how they, they trap monkeys on the island. Y'all know people eat monkeys? Them, them folks over in Costa Rica, I know they used to. He's a monkey. Good. I said, well, how come I don't ever see no monkeys up in these mountains? He said, we eat them all. You know more monkey in the mountain. They're down on the coast. They're protected. But, but I read how they, they trap these monkeys out on the islands. They, they take a coconut and they, they cut a little hole in it. And they drink the coconut milk. And they, they secure that thing to the ground where it can't be moved. And then they put a little bit of rice in it. And the monkey comes by and he'll put his hand down in that hole and he'll grab him a handful of that rice. But he can't get his hand back out. And he will not let go of that rice. The captors start coming. They say the monkeys will scream. Screaming in fear and agony and everything they can trying to break and trying to, to get away. They won't let go of the rice. And we think, man, that's sad. Poor monkey, right? Why don't he just let go of the handful of rice? And, but because he won't let go of that handful of rice, he loses his life. The same is true of the child of God that won't let go of your little pet sins. The same is true of the child of God that's got your little thing that you're holding on to. It's just yours. You think you can just... Man, what, what is it that the world has? What is it that the devil has that you hold on to that's so important to you that you won't let it go? You are a prisoner of war because you're not willing to let go of the sin that's holding you back. What is it in the world that means so much to you that you'd stand before Christ having failed all your missions and not gotten all your rewards Go ahead and stand at your feet if you would.
I could have everybody stand this evening. It ain't evening yet. Look at my watch. I'll I tell you what, let me do something a little different. Y'all know the altar's always open. You, It's never closed. You're welcome to pray. But could I have you bow your heads for a minute? If I could have everybody in this place, you, you close your eyes for a minute. Let me. Isn't it time for some of you to stop running? Isn't it time for some of the Christians in this place to sell out to Christ? Isn't it time for some of us in here to stop talking about what we're going to do and actually start doing it? If you're in here this morning, nobody's looking. If you're in God, I want to pray for you. If you're in here this morning, you say, I know, I know why God would give you that message this morning. I know that's about me. I, I know there's more I'm supposed to be doing for God. I know I could be walking a straighter walk. I, I want to be able to say that, that I'm ready, I fought a good fight, but, but I know I can't. I want to be, but I know God's got some things for me, and I know God's speaking to me this morning. Nobody, nobody points you out. You, you slip your hand up and say, you pray for me, preacher. Pray with me. Pray with me. I know God's got something for me to do. I want to be a better soldier all over the building. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. It's just between you and God. I'm just asking you to hold them up. I can pray for you. He said, I know that what God's doing in this place today, literally all over the building. Isn't it time to stop talking about what we're going to do? Thank you. You can put your hands down. Isn't it time to stop talking about I'm going to be in the choir and just be here today at 5 o'clock for choir practice? Isn't it time to stop talking about, man, yeah, I want to go to those ladies' Bible studies, but um, isn't it time to just sign up out there in the foyer today at the church? Isn't it time to, to stop saying, you know, I, I really want to go to Bible study on Wednesday night. I want to come to the prayer meetings. Isn't it time to, to just do it? Isn't it time to sell out to the life that Christ has planned for us? Isn't it time to say, you know what, man, I've been talking about being a judgment journey. And I've missed it this year, but, but next year, no, there ain't no next year. There's next weekend. Why don't you show up here Friday and Saturday night next weekend and be in Judgment Journey? Let me tell you what you do. You get here, you find Dale Prather. And you say, hey, brother, where do you need me this evening? Don't show up here and just go down there in those woods where you think you want to be. That's serving self. You come here and tell Dale, say, I want to serve God. Where do you need me? I assure you there's a lot of holes down there that need to be filled in. And that hole is yours. Every vacancy I see on the trail, every place that doesn't have somebody, everything that's empty, every little fire pot that doesn't have somebody beside it, that's your spot where you're not standing. Why not start this weekend? Why not be the things that God is calling us to be? When are we going to stop going to do things and start fighting the good fight? you're going to wear the cross Jesus said take up your cross that means bear your cross you're supposed to carry your cross and follow him Charles Spurgeon said this he said there are no crown bearers in heaven that were not cross bearers on earth I'm praying God to call every one of us in this place to the next level nobody here has arrived if you think you have, you're the farthest from it. None of us have arrived. 
It is my prayer that God would call Faith Baptist Church into uncharted waters, places we never dreamed we'd go. Put us in scary regions, put us before, use us in ways that we never dreamed imaginable. Make mighty warriors out of us. Just asking God to call us to be the church that He wants us to be. Let me ask you this morning if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You say, I want to go to heaven when I die, but I don't know that I would. I, I, I want to I be saved. I, I know I don't want to go to hell. I just don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven. There's a way you can know. Just like Paul said, I know henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul said, I know because he put his trust in Jesus Christ. This morning you can know that you can spend eternity in heaven, but you've got to put your trust in Jesus Christ. None other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. It is the name of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to trust him this morning? Are you willing to say, I'm tired of doubting? I'm tired of running? Some of you may not be doubting. You may know you're not saved. I just want to be saved this morning. I want to know. Are you willing to ask Jesus to come into your heart and save your soul? you got to confess your sins. The Bible says it must be a confession of your own mouth. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I'm asking you, Lord, to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Save my soul. In Jesus' name. You said a prayer like that this morning. You're just as much a child of God as anybody else in this place. You said the same prayer of 3,611 people over the last four weekends of Judgment Journey. You said the same prayer of every child of God in this place, including myself, January 5th, 1986. Lord, I am a sinner. And I'm asking you to save my soul in Jesus' name. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my life. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Give me a home in eternal glory. Will you save me, Lord? That's all it took. And Jesus said it's done. But it took it from an earnest heart. It didn't take a prayer of the lips. I said some prayers of my lips that wasn't answered because my heart wasn't in it. If you prayed this morning, you said, I've asked the Lord from my heart to save me this morning. And I know that Jesus has saved my soul. You slip your hand up right where you're at. Still nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking around. Don't be ashamed. 